0: Well, welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries. And as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right. And now joining me on the line is Dylan as we continue our Euro 2016 coverage. We're going to be talking about all things Portugal. Uh, Dylan, obviously yesterday the 3-3, one of the most exciting matches of the group, but maybe not uh, the result that you would have wanted. What did you see in that match?
1: Yeah, I've heard a lot of people saying it's been one of the better games of the tournament so far, but as a Portugal fan, I can guarantee you that for me it was quite a dreadful occasion. Um, Fernando Santos going into the game made two changes. One was enforced with LSAU coming in for Rafael Guerrero due to injury. And Joao Mario coming in for Couragema, which I was actually really happy, happy to see. I'm a big fan of Joao Mario. He was a part of the European Championships for Portugal last year, the under-21s. And he played a vital role in sporting, a sporting Lisbon side that did really well in the Portuguese Premier this year. So I was happy to see him start because I feel that he he's probably more consistent than Couragema. Um The opening 15 minutes, it was neither here nor there with Portugal dominating most of the ball, but not really moving in as well as they had in the opening two games. And of course, 18 minutes in, former Baggy and Fulham midfielder Zoltan Gera scored a stunning half-volley from a really weak-headed clearance from Nani. You can't really take it away from him. It was a quality strike, but it was so frustrating to see Portugal. They had two clear opportunities to clear the ball and ultimately they failed to close down the shot. Um, about, it was about half two in the morning and I started considering, um, whether I should just turn the TV off and go to bed as I couldn't really see Portugal getting much out of that game because they weren't, they weren't really playing as well as they had in the first two games. And it looked like it could have been leading to a embarrassing exit for the seller Um, but 42 in step up the man, Cristiano Ronaldo played a through ball cutting out five Hungarian players and Nani rifled the ball into the near corner. Kerali, the goalkeeper for Hungary probably could have done better, but he's about 58 years old and he wears those horrible track bands. So I couldn't really see him getting to that anyway. Um, at that stage, the goal felt like a momentous goal. However, obviously it didn't really turn out to be as momentous as I would have hoped. At halftime, Santos bring on Renato Sanchez, the, young player, young midfielder that just went to Bayern Munich for João Moutinho, which was the same substitution that he did in the first game. And I am not really sure why. I really like the William Cavallo moutinho duo in midfield because I feel they keep the ball quite well and they recycle possession, which is a good base for the likes of Nani, Ronaldo, Kourishma when he's on, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um and also I feel Matinho is one of the only leader figures in the Portuguese squad these days. Uh, two minutes into the half, Ricardo Cavalho gave away a pretty stupid for a kick. I feel the Hungarian player was about 25 yards out, facing away from the goal, and he didn't really have to bring him down. He wasn't really going anywhere. Um, step up Blaz uh, um with the free. His shot was going straight at Royal Patricio, the goalkeeper. But it took a wicked deflection on the wall, wrong foot of Patricio. In the past, um, a few times for clubbing for country, I feel Patricio is slow to react to some to some quick quick shots and deflections. He's not as mobile as say you know a Lloris or a De Gea. And I feel it might be a bit harsh, but for a big guy, I feel like he could have done better getting his hands to it. Um, but only a couple of minutes later, Joel Mario. He had a, he had a chance out wide on the wide right, whipped in a cross. It was a quite high, high high quality cross. Ronaldo had a, got a sweet backheel flick goal. I recommend getting it on the YouTube. It's one of the one of the classier goals of the tournament. Um, and again, that goal felt like a momentous goal that Portugal were going to sort of go on to um, go on to really take take the match away from Hungary. five minutes later. Zuziak scored again. The free kick came off the wall. Elisayou, who I said was probably a better defender than Guerrero, had a poor bit of defending, showed uh, Zuziak onto his stronger foot, and he obliged with a shot. And Nani turned his back and stuck his leg out to try and block it, which led to another wicked deflection, beating Patricio. And basically... um, that's quite poor defending. I know Nani's not a defender, but he's played soccer for for he's 30 years old now. You should, should know that you're not meant to turn your back on those sort of situations and stick your leg out because anything can really happen with that. Um, fair play to the Hungarians. They deserve the goal, but all three goals came from multiple defensive errors that really are acceptable, acceptable for a team that harvests ambitions of winning a European championship. It also goes back to the Iceland game. Poor defending from Varinha and Pepe led to the goal there. And it's just, it's not excusable. its It shouldn't, it should be, it should be the, the focus of this team. Especially Fernando Santos, who's known for drilling his teams on how to defend. And that was quite poor that pretty much every goal we've, well, every goal we've conceded could have been prevented. Um, Even though the Gira strike, like I said, was one of one of the best of the tournament so far. Mm. Santos reacted pretty quickly after that. Throw two down. Put on Koreshma But Gomez, we were saying on the last show that Gomez had really impressed us. But, well, that just wasn't the case today. He probably should have been subbed off at halftime instead of Moutinho. Um, he didn't seem very confident. Yeah, he was said to be carrying a knock. But he lost possession of the ball a couple of times in some crucial areas. Um Kroosma's first touch. It was an awesome cross from a corner. Uh, came into a leaping Ronaldo, level things up three three. Once again, about half an hour ago, you thought, "All right, here we go. Portugal are going to get a few more here." Um, didn't obviously it didn't occur. Kroosma, uh, for me, he was actually when they were both about 18, 19, about two thousand three, two thousand four. Many people compared Kroosma to Ronaldo. And a lot of people said he was going to be better. Even my my dad, who's also a big Portugal fan, he he was he was until until the Manchester United move, and it was clear that Ronaldo was better. He was pretty adamant. Cristiano was going to be be the one to be uh, Portugal's golden boy. But it's good to see, even after an inconsistent career, he's still capable of some quality deliveries. And it was good to see him um, doing something quite quite good for Portugal, which ultimately earned us the point. In this game, Um, from that point, Hungary Hungary sort of shot up, shot, um, which is fine, fair enough. Their endeavours in the previous games have given the opportunity to run down the clock and top the group. Portugal, on the other hand, they didn't deserve to have that opportunity, and they they didn't have that opportunity. And when uh, Santos brought on Danilo Fernani, we tend to go, "I was pretty angry." Santos and Portugal being content with a draw against Hungary is. For mine, utterly disgraceful. When you still have the opportunity to top the group, which is what a team like Portugal should be trying to do. Um, Ronaldo after the game seemed pretty, pretty pissed off, and I feel right, rightly so because Santos had sent out a message. It was a piece of paper that everyone saw um, in the team, and I could imagine the conversation that he would have had with one of the coaches would have been like, "If we win, we'll Belgium. If we draw, we versus Croatia, which is easier?" Which is garbage because Croatia for mine is they have been the team of the Euro so far, mm. and I would have rather rather facing a clunky Belgium who could only whose only real good performance had been against a diabolical Ireland than a fluid Croatia that should should have had nine points out of nine um, if it hadn't been for some crowd troubles. Um, Hungary were there for the taking, and Santos wasn't. He didn't seem that keen to take it. Uh, I said on the Box Box to Box podcast that having four third-place teams go through has allowed some really average teams to progress to the knockouts. Like I said, Republic of Ireland, they were average against Sweden, diabolical against Belgium. Slovakia were only really good for maybe the first 10 minutes against Wales and against the struggling Russia side that we, we now know they had a lot of internal problems and, of course, the off-the-field issues were probably playing issues with some of the players' Has They were missing a couple of players as well. But, of course, Portugal are also one of those teams. They haven't been good enough. And I said in the last chat I had with you, Kevin, that if we didn't beat Hungary, I felt that they didn't deserve to go through. And I'll I still maintain that. Um, I did say they played well in the opening two games, but for a team with the players Portugal has, that just simply isn't good enough. If they applied themselves as much as say Northern Ireland or Iceland or um even Hungary, they would be clear favourites to win this tournament. Um but the levels of underperformance makes me really, you know, want to gouge my eyes out, especially at, <laughs> you know, four o'clock in the morning.
0: Yeah. That doesn't sound loads of fun. You did mention Ronaldo there. He did step up when he was needed. Uh what's your take on Ronaldo been this tournament?
1: Well, after the game, I did post that I'll, on Twitter that I would always defend Ronaldo for Portugal because he always puts in 100%. And in some cases, some players going to international duty, they, they, that isn't always the case. I hate the cliche that Ronaldo doesn't turn up for Portugal because ultimately that is incorrect. He has 60 goals for Portugal, record goal scorer for Portugal. He's got the most caps as well. And only 14 of those 60 goals were in friendlies. So, obviously, he's showing up. Um, today, he got the two goals. He had a mint assist. I, I, I'd probably recommend looking through all the highlights because there was a, a lot of good goals. And the pass for Nani for that, I was really impressed with the way he picked that out because he's not really known for his um, on-the-floor passing skills. He is known for crossing, but his, that pass was quite nice. Um. People have been criticising him for not converting his chances. Yes, he's at 30 shots in the tournament. It's frustrating, but he's still making the runs. He's still putting the effort to get into those positions. The free kick situations, my view, they haven't been good enough. But from 25 out, I honestly wouldn't want anyone else in this Portugal team to take them because I have seen Ronaldo hit them. He's He's got, he's got plenty of free kick goals, spectacular goals. Obviously, that goal against Portsmouth. Obviously, it was about a decade ago, but that's what he's capable of. The ones further out, yeah, I feel that maybe Matinho or Guerrero could probably knock them into the box. They've got a a nice, quiet... They've got the ability to whip deliveries and um, float good deliveries into the box um, rather than the ambitious long ranges that Ronaldo aspires to hit. The penalty miss against Austria. These things happen. Ronaldo should obviously continue to take them. Um, Also, on showing up, I want to take you back to the 2014 World Cup, where Ronaldo he could hardly move. Um, he did play quite poor, but in those dying moments of the USA game, Portugal needed a goal to stay alive in the in that tournament, and Ronaldo was able to deliver a perfect cross for Varela to head home. Obviously, Portugal flopped out, but Ronaldo wasn't completely absent, like people make out that he that he was. Um. I don't, I don't want to seem like a Ronaldo apologist, but I'm, I'm not going to sit back and let people just talk rubbish about a player that has made so many sacrifices to be, to be the, where he is today. He's, he is seen as an egotistical maniac, and a lot of the stuff he does is, makes you want to not like him. Um, however, he wears his heart on his sleeve. He always has. I'll never forget the scenes after Euro, uh, Euro 2004, and he still shows that same emotion for Portugal, and he adores his family. He puts a lot of money in charity that so he care about cares about. And the thing is, Ronaldo—he's had a lot of things up against him in his life. Obviously, now he's got it made, but he's still got people go up against him. But he's—he's he's ultimately most of the time he's defied that. He's become one of the best players ever. There's there's also been a lot of pressure on Ronaldo, not just in the media. But also internally inside of inside Portugal, so much hope is put into Portugal. A lot of has been made of the economic issues in Greece, but Portugal is pretty pretty similar in that. A lot of the a lot of the hope in Portugal is around the football team and Ronaldo as a figurehead of that. A lot of people put their faith into this into this one person. And one thing that I feel he could do without is, but he would never admit it, is the Captaincy. He got the armband back when he, was, he would have been about 25 from Scala, when Scalari was still in charge. And that was when Portugal's prodigy son, Luiz Figo, retired. Um, he was, and Figo was one of the last of a generation of a squads of great leaders that included Fernando Cort, Rigosta, Petit, Palofreira, um players like that. And I feel that it has put so much unneeded pressure on a player that already has so much pressure on him due to his ability. Um, I'd rather have seen Joao Mourinho be captain. He was Sporting's youngest ever captain, and he also captained He also captained Porto at a young age, which, and he's he's quite a good organizational leader, and that's why I was a bit disappointed when he go went off in the game today because they sort of lo, lose a bit of the shape in the midfield because he sort of helps uh, where William Cavallo st- stands and sort of he helps the other midfielders, and. For example, Aaron Ramsey, he was the captain of Wales. But when Chris Colman uh, took over, he gave the captain's to Ashley Williams and pretty much said to Aaron Ramsey, just, just worry about playing to your ability. And that's the sort of thing that I believe needed to happen to Ronaldo. But at 31, that isn't isn't—that isn't going to happen now. That sort of ship has uh, sailed. The microphone incident before the game, as. You, um, it wasn't a good look, and he shouldn't have done it. However, uh, the media hasn't really reported it that well. Ronaldo has been Ronaldo has had runnings with CMTV, which is who the reporter was from. They're a Portuguese broadcaster that um, they've made up a lot of stories about Ronaldo's personal life and his family, and it's landed the two the two parties in court on a number of occasions. So, it isn't a case of Ronaldo just being a prick. And I think I may be wrong, but um. CMTV a band from Real Madrid media events involving Ronaldo so it's not it's it's the headlines obviously of Ronaldo's throwing a microphone into a lake but there's definitely previous um in that in that situation
0: yeah that that did seem very strange but thanks for lending a little bit of context to that one uh who have been Portugal's most impressive and least impressive performers in the whole group stage
1: um, well, the thing is, there hasn't been anyone that's really improved ac- um impressed rather, across the whole three games. Andre Gomez, he was quite impressive in the first two, very poor in the in this one. Um, Juan Moutinho, he got man of the match, I believe him. Ah, uh, maybe the Austria game. He got men in the match. In, yeah, I think it was the Austrian because Game has got it in the Iceland game. This is the Portuguese man in the match, not the UEFA men in the match. Um, so Matinho, I'm a big fan of Matinho. Um Ronaldo, he got it done. He ultimately got it done today. It's hard. To, it's hard to really have someone that's imp- impressed for me across the across the whole three. A player that's impressed. He didn't play the first game, but William Cavalier, He should have started the mm-hmm. first game. He's he's a he's very solid in the midfield. He's a strong player. He's a solid ball player. And in the first game against Iceland, they didn't need a destroyer. Which in, in Danilo, they needed a strong ball player that was going to be able to hold onto the ball and defend against counterattacks. Not Danilo, who, who's fine, but William Cavaliere's. He should be the core of that team alongside alongside Joao Martinho. So he would be, for me, the player that impressed Varinha, he he was pretty disappointing, especially in the game against Iceland. He was a fault for the goal along with Pepe. Um, a player that has been a fantastic servant for a long time has been Ricardo Cavallo, but I'm not sure why he's still in his side. He's not he's never been quick, but he's he's not good in a team that's meant to dominate the games, which is what pardon me, we need to send him back that can help be a ball player, which Fonte, he isn't necessarily ball player, but he's um, a quicker ball player that could have got the ball quicker to the midfield, opposed to Ricardo Cavallo. I saw an article saying of how how Ricardo cavallo would be a good signing for Barcelona, because basically he's cheap, he would help their Defensive struggles, which which is ridiculous, because Barcelona they're a team that needs a, a fastball player, someone that's able to play a high line, and that's not Ricardo Cavaliu. And he's frankly, it's probably time for him to retire because he hasn't he hasn't been very good for Monaco in the last few years, and he hasn't he was struggling at the back end of his career, his time in Real Madrid. Um, other players are disappointed. Gomez in the last game. Ronaldo, he frustrated in the first two games. Carisma's, um, it's mostly it's more rather than disappointed and um, impressed over three games. It's just a, a mix of up and down from all of them across across the three through, across the three group stage games. Where in all three games it was about. Five or six players that played above seven out of ten, but there was the rest of them were playing at say five out of ten, which you're going to struggle against teams that that ultimately, if they're in the Euros, they've they've got there through being at least structurally sound. So, yeah, Oh one 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 I will touch on Nani. He's he he's got two goals and they're two pretty decent finishes. So. He did okay. Considering he's not a striker, um, yeah, he did okay.
0: Fair enough. All right, well, where that leaves us uh, is it Portugal have advanced uh, in unceremonious fashion, but they have advanced nonetheless. Um, next up is Croatia. You touched on it a little bit in the open about how maybe you would have preferred somebody else, maybe a midfield a little less stacked. Uh, what, what do you see in this match
1: coming up? Yeah, so like I said, touched on it earlier, Portugal, Croatia. Um, I was saying on the box to box podcast that we recorded earlier today that how I think it actually might be a good thing. Portugal won't have the pressure on them to break Croatia down, i.e. in the way they felt against Iceland and Austria. Hopefully, Portugal can be bold. Hopefully, there's a big bold, hopefully, there. Portugal can be bold and have Ronaldo, Nani, and Co. launching Pacey. Counter-attacks because throughout the history of Portuguese football, a lot of it has been based on counter-attacking football, especially the the teams that I grew up watching in from 2004 to about 2008, that, that peak of the golden generation <laughs> at that point. Um, I'd also love to see Rafa Silva. I mentioned earlier on the last podcast, really good for Braga this season. The best Portuguese player still there. Probably good enough to go to a top six La Liga team or a top half Premier League team. Better than Braga, um, he's quick. He's 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 got good skills, and he'd be perfect for that sort of counter-attacking style. But you can't bring him on with a couple of minutes to go. If you're going to bring him on, either when you're up, or even when you, it, it whether you're down, or even when you're up, and you want someone that's going to be still terrorize defenses. Um, as they try and push on, push, push for equalising goal, he's the sort of player you need. So, and he's 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 part of the the future of Portuguese players that under twenty three, the under twenty one's uh, European Championship team that did so well the championships last year. Um, they're the players that we need to look to, and we need to integrate integrate them now. Obviously, Croatia. For me, they've been the best team of the Euros so far. Modric will be back, should be back, and he was supplying, especially in the first game against Turkey, he he ran that game. Even without the goal, he he ran that game. What worries me is the likes of Ivan Perisic and Marco Patez running at the Portuguese defence. They're not, like I said, the best defenders, and... Pepe, if he wants, he could cut one of him in half, and we're down to ten players. It'll be interesting to see if Mandzukic plays. Um, Kalanich, I felt probably deserves he, to keep his spot. He was quite well um, against Spain. Brought in the likes of Perisic and Paitas, and I'd I would rather Mandzukic up against the likes of Cavalho and Pepe because I feel like he would be easier easier to mark him out of the game than Kalanich. He's a bit. A bit better on his feet. Um, on my podcast, I did say that I felt Portugal could get the win. And if they do, it's op- opened up in inverted commas, an easier run to the final, which would see them facing either Switzerland or Poland in the quarters. And if they win that, probably Belgium, maybe even Wales. Um, obviously, I'm getting a little <laughs> ahead of myself, but, sometimes you need to dare to dream about these things.
0: Yeah, there is some club motto, which is to dare is to do. Yeah, I think that's problematic. <laughs> um, all right, uh, any final thoughts as we head out of here?
1: Um, i touched on a bit at the end. I feel that it's probably not going to happen in this game, but there's a lot of young players in Portugal, including the squad, the likes of Renato Sanchez, Rafa Silva, that are... Going to be taking this team forward into the qualifiers and whatnot, and hopefully, if they get a chance in the Croatia game, and hopefully further on, they can sort of stamp stamp themselves on the memory of people, and that'll give them confidence going forward.
0: All right. Well, thanks so much. Why don't you tell the folks where they can reach you?
1: All right. So thanks for having me on the show. It has been a pleasure. My name's Dylan Arvella, and you can find me on Twitter at Dylan DylanEloyArvella. I also host the box to box podcast, which you can catch on iTunes. Uh, this week, we covered a lot of Copy America and Euro, Euro content, so hit that up for a listen. Cheers.
0: All right. Thanks so much for joining us again, Dylan. Hope to speak soon.